Game week preparation continues for Tennessee and Virginia. Is the Virginia defensive front a whole lot better than we think they are? That and a whole lot more. It's your Wednesday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good Wednesday morning, everybody. Welcome into it. This is Locked On Vols, and we are just a couple days away until it's football time in Tennessee. I'm your host, Eric Kane. This is Locked On Vols. It is your team every single day. We're a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Shout out every dayers for making Locked On Vols your first listen each and every day. All right, we got a fun show coming up today. A lot of good stuff from Tuesday's media availability. Jerry Mack on the Virginia defense. Brian Jean-Marie on the Virginia offense. Amari Thomas, Ramel Keaton on some of the things that Virginia likes to do that they picked up on in um, in uh, in film studies. So we're going to get into that here in a matter of seconds. Ward Wednesday coming up in segment two. Position preview. We'll take a look at the linebackers in segment number three. And this episode is brought to you in part by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the promo code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. All right, let's get into it. So you know, I'll have my official Virginia preview. That'll be on Friday's show, but. I will say this, the strength of the football team for Virginia, it's in that defensive front. They returned their entire front seven minus leading tackler Nick Johnson from last season. He was a really good player, but they returned an awful lot of players, really nice players like Chico Bennett off the edge. Uh, His uh, availability very much in question. He's been banged up during fall camp, but he had eight sacks a season ago, and and he's not the only one that had a habit of getting back there for the quarterback. So you have a a defense that returns a lot, ultra-aggressive, and it's something that they were kind of middle of the road or middle of the pack in the ACC in terms of total defense a season ago. Plus, they're they're, they're looking to take another step just like Tennessee's defense is. Uh, Jerry Mack was asked about the the defensive front for Virginia, how his running backs will be tasked with you know pass protection, trying to defend that uh, on Saturday. And he had a really good answer, kind of breaking down that Virginia defensive line and really that front seven overall. Uh, here's Tennessee running backs coach Jerry Mack from Tuesday's media availability. Uh, really impressed with how hard those guys play. One thing about University of Virginia, which you can tell is they were in a lot of games last year. You know, you see the record and people just assume that they were not a very good football team. But there were spots and there were times where they showed flashes, especially in their front uh, defensively. A lot of movement up front, a lot of stemming. Uh, they got really good defensive ends. They do a good job pressing the pocket. So that's going to be really important for us to make sure that before we get out, we make sure there's no extra trash uh, hanging around the quarterback's field, hanging around the quarterback for his vision. Uh, we're going to do a great job of blowing things up, as we use the term, before we get out and, and actually in our pass route. Uh, at the second level, at the linebacker position, man, those guys move around, they fly around. We're going to see some different bodies probably than we saw on film in some certain spots, but I think the athletic ability is still there. So again, athletic ability, uh, versatility at the second layer of the linebacker position, so a lot of those moving parts for the Virginia defense, something that Tennessee's going to have to be watching. Something Jerry Mack said, they were in a lot of those ball games. Uh, you know, week three, they lost to Old Dominion, <clears throat> excuse me, by a score of 16 to 14. Uh, the next week, they or they won against Old Dominion 16 to 14, a game where they should have just blew them out. They lost to Syracuse by two points, 22 to 20 on the road. Um, lost to Georgia Tech or won at Georgia Tech, you know, by by a slim margin, sixteen to nine. Lost in four overtimes against Miami, twelve to fourteen. Lost thirty one twenty eight to North Carolina on the road, 
And so, yeah, there's some truth to that. There was a, a lot of close scored games when it was all said and done. So this defense really gave the Virginia offense uh, a lot of opportunities uh, to go and kind of make some plays and stay in this football game or those football games last year. What about the offense? Um, well, real quick before we get to the offense, we'll, we'll go to uh, Amari Thomas uh, kind of more on uh, or we'll go to Ramel Keaton. What does the secondary like to do? Kind of what are those coverages they like to play? And what should the Tennessee wide receivers uh, be on the lookout for? Oh, yeah. I mean, they like to um, play single high. They like to play man three. They like to miss in quarters. Like any other defense, but um, most most time they like to play man, so that, that's good. So multiple in the back end. Like to play man defense. Everybody likes to play man. Uh, but they'll mix in quarters, you know, cover three, cover two, a little 200. They'll do some pirate action. So the defense experience returns an awful lot. I uh, did have to replace two all-ACC cornerbacks uh, from a season ago, and they did that via the transfer portal, getting help from Clemson and getting help from SMU, but very multiple in the back end in terms of what they're going to be coverage-wise. Let's shift over to what Virginia does offensively. Brian Jean-Marie was kind of going uh, in, into a rant, not a rant, but kind of going into a synopsis about what they should expect and all that, the quarterback position, and how Brennan Armstrong, the starting quarterback from a season ago, um, you know, or Tony Musk at the new quarterback from Monmouth uh, kind of resembles Brennan Armstrong and what he can do in that offense for Virginia and Tony Elliott. Here's Tennessee linebackers coach Brian John Marie. Yeah, um, I, I think the, um, it's it's always a challenge because they're so you know different than what we face on offense. You know, in a day to day period, um, and obviously they have the new pieces, a new quarterback. Um, I thought the young man they had last year was dynamic as a thrower and a runner. The musket kid that they named a starter that transferred from Monmouth. Uh, when you watch his, his film, he has a lot of the same qualities. Uh, he's uh, very, very athletic, throws a really, really nice uh, deep ball, and seems to have that savvy and that poise of a, you know, a really good quarterback. So we know we have our, our challenges uh, there. And then their slot receiver, the Washington kid that transferred from, from Northwestern, uh, you know, he shows uh, some explosiveness, you know, good ball skills. So we've had a chance to watch those guys on tape, and they're, they're, they're going to be a challenge, you know, obviously to defend. So the, the Washington guy that um, Brian John Murray was just referencing, the Northwestern wide receiver transfer, he's going to be in the slot. Really good player. You know, in Big Ten competition last year, he had 65 receptions, uh, 697 yards um, of, of offense. And, and, again, that was just in conference games. So – uh, Malik Washington is going to be a guy that you got to look out for, but sounds like Tony Musket very dynamic. He's not much of a runner. He's not very much like Brendan Armstrong was because Armstrong actually led the team in rushing a season ago with 611 yards on the ground. But Tony Musket's a guy that will air it out a little bit. 17 touchdowns, eight interceptions, just under 2,000 yards passing a season ago. So a little dynamic, but also this from Amari Thomas, a lot of eye candy. Going to try to beat you to the perimeter, try to outflank you a little bit. We heard that from Aaron Beasley a little bit yesterday, but more on this Virginia offense, kind of what they've shown on tape, a little bit of the, of, of the spring game for them, and what Tennessee's expecting defensively and trying to uh, stop this Virginia offense. Um, they're a really good team who just, they really want you to just 
try to um, read step with them. They want you to, as far as defensive line-wise, they give you a lot of eye candy, a lot of things that they want you to bite so that way they can do a lot of misdirection things. So that's a lot that we've been practicing, just working on, make sure we play vertical so that way we're not stepping, reading, things like that, so that way we're getting watched as a defensive line. So it's just it's, it's been good just really going in, watching the film from last year and different things like that, and just really being able to just um, focus on what they do well, which is like really just trying to get you, like I said, just a lot of eye candy, misdirection, things like that. So that's some things that we've really just been focusing on. I think it's a great opportunity for Tennessee's defense. I really do. Um, and again, we're not going to get a true picture. We're not going to know exactly who Virginia is because so much turnover. It's week one. Uh, much like Tennessee, it's going to be far from a finished product. But I think this is a chance for Tennessee's defense to to really kind of put a, you know, not a stamp because the season's just starting, but really kind of, you know, start the season off on the right note, if you will, and kind of show everybody in the country, um, knowing that you're going to face much better offenses, but kind of showing the, the country what you're all about defensively. I think it's a great opportunity for this Tennessee defense. A lot of good stuff there from Brian Jean-Marie, Jerry Mack, Ramel Keaton, Amari Thomas, kind of on who Virginia is, what they do defensively, offensively. Uh, we'll have more audio and stuff as the as the week goes on. But I uh, do want to get into Ward Wednesday. That is coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. And then to finish off the show, we will uh, go ahead and talk about the linebackers, one of the deeper groups on the Tennessee football team. That and more coming up next right here on Locked On Balls. But hey, I want to tell you about our friends over at Game Time, buying tickets to your favorite events. It shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, theater, all near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets, their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for all the fun that you're going to have. Things you can look forward to on the Game Time app. Flash deals, last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, not just sporting events. Images of your seat so you know exactly what you're paying for before you hit purchase. Plus, they have the lowest price guarantee. They have event cancellation protection and job loss protection if something goes wrong between now and then. Truly, they cover all the bases. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has the deals on tickets right up to the day of the events. Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you're fr if you find tickets in the same section or row for less, Game Time's going to credit you 110% of the difference. Not bad there at all. So I encourage you to go download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. It is Wednesday. That means we get to catch up with our buddy Josh Ward for a little Ward Wednesday. And, Josh, it is... It's game week. Tennessee takes on Virginia in just a matter of a couple of days. Yeah, we get to see real football, and I know everybody's ready for it to happen. This has been a fun offseason, fun buildup because of expectations, and Tennessee's going to play for more uh, this season than at least we've expected in conversation the last few years. So everybody's excited and everybody's ready. What has been the story of the offseason? I mean, again, we talk about literally everything. Um, you know, defense taking a step, the emergence of wide receivers after, you know, Jalen Hyatt leaves. Obviously, Joe Milton this, Joe Milton that. I mean, Joe Milton's probably the answer. If I could take Joe Milton away, what would be the story of Tennessee's offseason? I think it's about the program itself. Tennessee being back in a real uh, state to be able to compete for championships. Tennessee being considered among the top programs in college football because that just hasn't happened in a long time. Tennessee was very close in that 2015 
2016 range where the Vols were picked to win the East in 2016 and they were in the top 10 for a few weeks during that season. But it was such a short-lived conversation that it's almost like it never happened. This offseason brought a lot of conversation about Tennessee's program being back among the top and there's more to be accomplished in trying to win championships. But I think it's the stabilization of the program with leadership from Danny White as the AD to hiring Josh Heupel as the head coach, but then what Tennessee can truly build off last season. You look at Virginia and not a very good offense last year, of course, had the, uh, they, they cut their season short due to the tragedy up there that happened last November, and it's good to see them back out on the field. Uh, but not a very good offense, a lot of turnover on that offense. What are you expecting on Saturday for Tennessee and Virginia? I think Tennessee is going to win with ease, and I think Tennessee will have a really good chance to build a lead early and then kind of control the game how it wants to from there. I'd be surprised if Virginia is able to find much offensive success with Tony Musket coming in to take over at quarterback. I doubt that Virginia will be able to run the football with much success. If Tennessee is able to score early and Virginia is in a position where pretty soon it realizes we're going to have to throw the ball to find success, there, there might be a drive or two uh, that could happen over four quarters. But, Eric, I'd just be really surprised if where Virginia is offensively that it can come anywhere close to keeping up with Tennessee. And it's a it's a, a season opener. It is a new offense with Joe Milton taking over and some changes on the offensive line and no Cooper Mays. So I'm not saying everything is going to be perfect, easy, uh, right away for Tennessee. There might be some drives where they make some mistakes. It's a, a three or four and out, and the defense gets, uh, gets another chance. But over four quarters, I think Tennessee is going to score a ton of points, and I don't think Virginia will score many at all. In saying that, though, that you know, FanDuel line here at the beginning of the week has, or here at the middle of the week, Tennessee twenty-seven and a half point favorites. Are you are you confident in Tennessee that much in Week One with with all the the new pieces on offense to to take the Vols? It's a huge number, which does make me nervous when you talk about fourth quarter play. What can happen where you have backups in and Tennessee could be up forty-four to ten, and then all of a sudden Virginia has a late score among players that won't play a huge role as the season goes along and you don't cover the line. But I would still, picking aside, pick Tennessee. My score prediction, I haven't come up with anything official, but it will have Tennessee winning by 28-plus. I can go ahead and promise you that. So, uh, yeah, I think that line is about right, and it's a statement again to Tennessee. Virginia is a bottom of the ACC team. It'll maybe be the worst team in the conference this season, but you know, by comparison, Tennessee is a bigger favorite against Virginia than Kentucky is against Ball State. USC beat San Jose State by 28 and was a 30-and-a-half, 31-point favorite in that game. That's close to the line for Tennessee against an ACC team. That tells you something about Tennessee and also Virginia. So things you do have locked in, because, again, we're just days away from the start of the kickoff, uh, start of the, the football season. What's that Tennessee record? Who's those losses come to and why? Where do you have Tennessee uh, after the Thanksgiving regular season finale you know, game? Nine and three is my record prediction for Tennessee. My first statement on who the losses are against were Alabama, Georgia, and one of Florida, South Carolina, Texas A&M, 
or Kentucky. That's such a cop out, man. You got to pick one. Exactly. I know that I I'm said not the same. I, I I'm, literally I said the same thing. Yeah, so. I know. I'm, I know. I'm not allowed to do it. So uh, to pick one, I said, well, Texas A&M is probably the most likely game that I would choose. Although schedule wise, we've talked on this show, I think about how that does set up favorably for Tennessee. The Vols get two weeks to prepare for A&M while A&M plays Alabama the week before. Kentucky yeah. is the one where the schedule flip is against Tennessee. Tennessee plays at Alabama while Kentucky is off getting ready to host Tennessee. And uh, I don't think Florida is going to be a very good SEC team, but it is a road game. Uh, first SEC game, first real test of the season at night. And we don't know Cooper May's status for that game yet. So uh, Florida cannot just be marked off immediately as an easy win. The South Carolina game last season proves that. But uh, nine and three is where I am. I also think all 12 games individually are winnable, and that includes the Georgia game. So Tennessee can for sure do better than nine and three. Uh, the odds makers have the line at nine and a half with nine, the the juiced side, so the more likely side. But 10 and two is very much on the table. 11 and one, I guess, is possible. That's just, you have to have a lot go your way to go 11 and one when Alabama and Georgia are both on the schedule. What individual things are you looking for on Saturday? Um, you know, I, I mentioned on the podcast yesterday that I think this would be a great opportunity for the defense to kind of put on a show. I mean, I know it's week mm -hmm. one and everything, but, you know, four new offensive linemen for Virginia, new quarterback, top four receivers from last year are gone. There's some opportunity there. And, wouldn't it be great against, and sure, it's not a group of five or anything. It's a power five program, but not a very good one for your defense to go out there and shine a little bit in week one. So I'm going to be looking for the defense and, of course, the offensive line rotation because that just fascinates me. Uh, what are some of the things you're going to be looking for on Saturday? Yeah, um, I'm a little intrigued by the running back rotation uh, early in the game to see Jalen Wright, Jabari Small usage for those guys because those are your top two players. Totally agree on the offensive line. But my initial reaction was the defensive side as well. The guys on the edge, what kind of pressure can they get? You want to see them have success. You want to see the defensive line have really good success overall, considering their potential, I think, with an Omar Norman lot coming in and some of the younger guys on the edge that we've talked about and the overall rotation of players that they have. And then I would say some playmaking behind them, the linebackers and members of the secondary making plays because we can spend as much time as we want during the summer months and during August talking about they have all these guys in the secondary and they have more players to compete against one another. They still have to go out and make plays, right? And they have to show that they are going to be an improved unit, which I think there is a very good chance. But if the defense shows signs of, of problem against uh, Virginia, well, then that could set up concern. If they were able to go make some plays, that's something to build on two weeks later when you play Florida and then everybody else after that. All right. This is our last word Wednesday before the start of the regular season. So tell us something that we can look back on in November and say, you know, Josh Ward said before the season, tell us something that we don't know right now that's going to happen. Oh, that's good. Um, actually, can I can I do this with you? So I have discovered recently that I'm um, a bit of a hypocrite, which is which is probably not the first time, but it, here's why. <laughs> so it. the first week of the year, uh, first week of January, on Josh and Swain. We had to make a bold prediction for Tennessee sports in 2023. And do you know what my bold prediction was that week? That Tennessee would beat Georgia in football this year. Mm. But you heard my record prediction just a few minutes ago during the segment. Yeah, it's and you, pretty, asked me, uh... you asked me to pick my losses, and Georgia was one of them. 
So am I correct? Am I a hypocrite? Should I go back to saying they're going to beat Georgia? Because there's also very little to be lost, right? Like if Tennessee doesn't win that game, I don't think anybody's going to say, well, Josh Ward picked him. But if Tennessee wins, then we can replay this segment and say, <laughs> Josh picked Tennessee to beat Georgia way back before the season began. It's pretty hypocritical, yes. But okay. you have, you reserve the right to be bold, especially like on January 1st. So yeah. I don't think anybody's going to hold that against you. And you're right. Like It's like, what does Josh Ward have to lose if he says Tennessee's going to beat Georgia? Yeah, also, if Tennessee loses yeah. Georgia, they're not going to be like, God, what an idiot. <laughs> I mean, you know, Georgia's right. the best team in the country. Yeah, I mean, because uh, on the flip side, last year, I did pick Tennessee to go eight and four, and they did much better than I expected. But at the same time, we had to come up with who are the four losses, and one of them was South Carolina. And everybody Yikes. at the time said, I can lose to South Carolina. Didn't you see last year's game? So I actually got that right. My record prediction was still way off. So I could say nine and three, and they beat Georgia. How about that one? That would be a bold prediction. Um, but that's not going to help you. I, I think at the end of the season, we're going to look back and say Cameron Seldon ended up making a number of big plays for Tennessee on the offensive side. The running back position starts with Jalen Wright and Jabari Small, the two older guys, but injury can happen. Uh, but I also think that Seldon has so much ability and has impressed coaches that at some point he will impress on special teams and or the offense, and we'll be talking about Seldon having a nice freshman year and something to build on heading into next year. He is Josh War, the co-host of Josh and Swain on 991 The Sports Animal, noon to three weekdays. Um, on the sports animal, Josh, you got the uh, Josh and Swain newsletter coming out eight forty-five on Friday morning. What else you got coming up the rest of the week? Yep, free to subscribe to the newsletter. Appreciate everybody that has done so. Just once a week into your inbox, and then other than that, it's mostly all football. Talking about what's going to happen on Saturday uh, with a little recruiting mixed in, a little basketball. So uh, yeah, season's here. Everybody is ready, just like you and everybody listening. Appreciate it as always, Josh. Thanks so much. You got it. Thanks, Eric. All right, when we come back, segment number three of a Wednesday show, we'll take a look at the linebackers' position previews right here on Lockdown Balls. Grace up there from Josh Ward, as always, every single Wednesday right here on Lockdown Balls. You everydayers know all about that. All right, for a final segment here on today's show, uh, let's get back into our position previews and take a look at the linebackers. One of my favorite positions on this football team, I think the linebackers are going to be a huge reason why Tennessee takes a major step on defense in 2023. Uh, again, Tennessee took a step on defense in 2022, and I think because of the front seven and these linebackers in particular, Tennessee's going to take a massive step again in 2023. Now, before we get into, you know, kind of what makes this room a, a, a little bit, I do want to say, you know, think back to what that room's been the last couple of years. All right, you have had, <laughs> as I put my phone back down on that iPad charger, as I mentioned earlier this week, sometimes it picks up, sometimes it doesn't. Um, you had, some, you had some good ball players in that room. Jeremy Banks was a tremendous, tremendous uh, productive, tremendously productive linebacker at times. He had over 100 tackles in 2021. He got better. Um, he was one of Tennessee's best players, no doubt about it, on the defensive side of the football. His production slacked a little bit in 2022, but he was still, still a good player. Played really well in some big-time games against Alabama. Juju Mitchell, Juwan Mitchell, never really worked out here at Tennessee. Um, you know, missed some games due to injury, missed some games due to academics. Um, you know, was never as productive as you'd want him to be, but he was still very much in the fold each of the last two years. You know, I'm I'm not here on this podcast to to put down uh, you know college age students or you know to talk bad about them, but you know those two guys were 
a lot to handle. Um, I, I think we, I think we, you, we all can agree, or we, you, you know, where I'm coming from here. They were very much hard to handle. They were very much hard to manage, and so for that linebacker room, the last couple of years to be, you know, as productive, and for Tennessee <laughs> to win as many games as they did last year, um, with just so much chaos in that linebacker room. I think it speaks volumes of what Brian John Marie is as a coach. I think the world of him as a coach. I think he's a really good coach. And so you remove some of those personalities, if you will, out of that room. A lot of production. You're going to miss that production. Don't get me wrong. But you remove some of those personalities out of those rooms. And Aaron Beasley is a, you know, lead by example type guy. You bring in Keenan Peely, who's 25 and married and been in college for a decade. Um, who can run a car, <laughs> you know, he's more reserved as well, but leads by example type guy. You have an influx of young linebackers in that room, a freshman and sophomore. The dynamic in that room is taking a 180 degree turn. It is completely different. And I think it can be in a good way. Now, are any of those guys physically as gifted as Jeremy Banks was? No. But can those guys be better linebackers than Jeremy Banks? And more importantly, can that group be a better linebacker group than Tennessee's had each of the past two seasons? Absolutely, in my opinion. So, again, Jeremy Banks and, and Juwan Mitchell uh, did a lot of good things here at Tennessee on the field. At least Jeremy Banks did. And uh, very productive players. Uh, but I think this group has grown significantly uh, this offseason and, and done a really, really nice job. So, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll see exactly what it looks like on the field, but it all starts with those two guys I just mentioned there. Aaron Beasley, who, you know, had his own off-the-field struggles earlier in his career, but has, you know, come back and, and put his head down and worked and worked and worked and really been a model teammate and somebody to look after and somebody to, to watch it just go to work. It's been fun to watch his transformation over the course of his Tennessee career, coming in as an athlete. Um, you know, safety, running back, linebacker, running back, safety again, and then settling in there at linebacker, being thrust into action in 2021 when it was Jeremy Banks, Aaron Beasley, and Solon Page. Juwan Mitchell was out for the season with an injury, and those are the three linebackers that played. He had to grow up in a hurry, started to figure some things out towards the end of the year, and then in 2022, it was him, Juwan Mitchell, and Jeremy Banks as kind of the three starters, if you will. He was the best one. And he really performed well at the beginning of the season and at the end of the season in the Orange Bowl, if you remember. Of course you do. So Aaron Beasley's been fun to watch. He's a great kid to talk to, like, you know, on the side, outside of practice or, you know, after a media appearance or whatever. He's a really, really cool guy to talk to. Um, and then Keenan Peely, I think, has been the star of camp, meaning they the coaching staff, you know, wanted, wanted him for this reason. They wanted experience. They wanted a technically sound linebacker. They wanted a guy who could be ready to play right now. So that's why they went out and got him. But I think what they've seen in Keenan Peely over fall camp has been like he's been so much better than what they thought. Like I don't think they thought he sucked, but he's been so much better. And so I'm intrigued really to watch him play as well. So Tennessee starts with those two guys on the inside, a Will linebacker and Mike linebacker, in really, really good shape. And then this is where we drop back to some of this youth, okay? So you have those two veterans. And then the number one backup, in my opinion, is going to be freshman Aaron Carter. Um, again, there's a lot to like about Aaron Carter, <laughs> by the way, the Tennessee roster has Aaron Beasley at 230 pounds. That's hilarious. Um, Aaron Carter, six foot one, 227 pounds, true freshman from Smyrna, Tennessee. Boy, he looks the part and it sounds like he's had an excellent, excellent fall camp. Still a lot to learn. 
Still going to be a, a learning curve. He's going to make mistakes, okay? Everybody has those days. He's going to make mistakes, big time. Um, that's just part of it, right? No one's perfect to play football. But he is going to be a really good linebacker here at Tennessee. So he's going to be out there, in my opinion, the first uh, the first substitute, if you will. Um, Elijah Herring, now a sophomore. He had a little bit of role as a true freshman last year. He's continuing to grow and get bigger. Six foot three, two thirty eight. Is he listed on the roster? Um, he had to go through some growing pains a lot during this offseason over the spring practice period and uh, fall camp a little bit. But he's a guy that Tennessee can definitely rely on. Um, who else? Well, you have Caleb Perry, who's another one of those sophomores. He uh, shined on special teams a season ago. Um, he was never really into the fold at linebacker. I think he's got a lot to learn still, but I think he's grown enough to where Tennessee could put him in there if they need to. But I think he's last in the pecking order because I think Jeremiah Thielander, a fellow freshman, is another guy that can get some looks before even Caleb Perry. Uh, Jeremiah Thielander, six foot two, two hundred thirty pounds. I do the practice observations for uh, VolQuest.com when, when looking at Tennessee's practice, and you know I said a couple of times these freshman linebackers look like a million bucks. You know Jeremiah Thielander benefited so much from a collegiate strength and conditioning program when he got here in January. Um, he looks fluid. He's got good feet. Uh, the coaches can't seem to you know say enough nice things about him. I just mentioned six linebackers there, guys. Actually, let's see, two, four. Yeah, I just mentioned six linebackers there that I think Tennessee can play. Really five that you feel really good about, or four that you feel really good about. I think you can play five and play six if you need to. So how big is that linebacker rotation? Regardless, it is a bigger rotation. You have more options, and um, I think it's just going to benefit Tennessee much, 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 much greatly down the line here. Uh, this season. So linebackers a strength too. They're starting to look like an SEC linebacker room. Uh, look at this depth chart here. I mean, let's see here. Aaron Beasley, 220, 230. So it says on the roster. Caleb Perry, 225. Aaron Carter, 227. Keenan Peely, 240, but he moves well. Elijah Herring, 238. Jeremiah T. Lander, 228. I mean, these guys are I mean, eating cornbread. I mean, they're they're they're, they're truly benefiting from that collegiate strength conditioning program, whereas Back in 2021, that room just looked completely different. So I like this linebacker room an awful lot. I'm intrigued to see how this rotation is come Saturday and how it looks to come Austin P. And, of course, you're getting ready for Florida. So that is another thing that I'm looking forward to with Tennessee and Virginia that is coming up on Saturday. That's a look at the linebackers. We will conclude our position previews by taking a look at the defensive backs. A lot to discuss. Who's going to play where? What's that rotation look like? We'll break down the defensive backfield with our position previews and how they fared in fall camp. That's coming up on tomorrow's show, along with Boogie Bentley of Talking Vols. Guys, appreciate it as always. Thanks so much for being here, making Lockdown Vols your first listen each and every day. Thanks so much for subscribing to us on YouTube. We had a huge jump in the YouTube numbers, subscriptions. Can't thank you enough. Following, subscribing, wherever you find your podcasts, where you listen to your podcasts, we're there. That's Lockdown Vols. Thank you for rating me five stars and leaving me a positive review on Apple Podcasts. All that stuff helps us get this show out in front of more Tennessee fans. Just helps the show grow, and it's all thanks to you, you everydayers. Appreciate you guys. As always, we'll be back for a fun show coming up on Thursday. This is Locked on Balls.